Hey, you're listening to The Freedom You Show, where each week we explore the issues of sexual addiction and recovery so that in every area of your life, you can live free and you can live well. Hey everybody, welcome to the Freedom You Show. Kevin and Doug here. Today we're going to be talking to you about how we can help the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. And this is a hot topic right now. It's all over the news. Everybody's talking about Harvey Weinstein and everybody's talking about their stuff. Everybody's really seemingly talking about sexual addiction right now. And that makes me happy because I think awareness needs to really go up on this issue. And we need to Uh, have more awareness so that we can get people the help that they truly need. I understand he actually did check himself into some kind of a rehab unit recently, and he was asking people to, you know, accept his offer for getting help. And, you know, his, uh, you know, we only know a little bit about what he's attempting to do to change his life. But You know, I think what we want to talk about today is like, you know, what are the ramifications of a life hidden in secrecy for so long? Uh, What has sexual addiction done to not only the person who's doing the sexual behavior, but to all the people that are, you know, affected by this act? And obviously, you know, more than just this act, like in the people who have like been impacted by his life personally, but now there's a whole movement of the Me Too's and and women coming out of the woodwork and talking about their sexual traumas. What about that movement, Kevin? What, yeah. what do you know? Well, I mean, uh, it's just been uh, recently that women are stepping out and they're posting on Facebook, they're 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 putting blogs on websites, and they're coming out and they're sharing how that. They've been so impacted by Harvey Weinstein's actions and so impacted by the women who have come forward to, to share their, their traumas as a result of his sexual behavior that they've found the courage now to actually come forward and share to the public their own traumas and it's just building awareness oh my God, that and has got to be fantastic it's awesome I, you know if you the courage that it takes oh yeah for that. And, and think about how that pushes back shame it does because when you have whatever your secrets are whatever part of your reality is something that you hold secret that's likely to be very powerful and if it's something that's negative it's it's going to be powerful in a negative way so I, I can't imagine how much good that's doing as people push back shame by basically speaking to the part of them that's broken or hurting. I mean, the liberation that comes with that's phenomenal. Well, I can speak from my own personal experience, you know, with my own experiences with sexual abuse and having had been sexually abused when I was growing up as a teenager and holding that as a secret for so many years and thinking that I was doing myself a favor and other people a favor by holding that as a secret and then when I finally shed that secret, it felt like a thousand pound boulder was lifted off of my shoulders emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And so... Sounds like I, you're part of that Me Too I, movement as well. I am part of the Me Too movement. And I, 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 that's, I mean, that's why I'm so excited about this. And, and I, I applaud the women for being the first to 
to start this and, and to participate in this, but this is not just a women's issue. This is a human issue. Oh my God. And you know, speaking as a clinician, it's like, uh, what I've seen is that for women to uh, speak about prior abuse is very difficult, challenging, and the, and the breakthrough is awesome. However, for men to yeah. speak about their abuse, that is very uncommon, not really broadly accepted, but equally liberating if they do it. So if this kind of movement would spread to the men, in other words, if they could find the courage to start to talk about their hurts, their trauma. I think that would be a totally amazing thing. I hope the women will allow the men to include themselves in this and that it doesn't become kind of a gender thing. Yeah, I hope so too. And, and I think, you know, the, the bigger issue in this is that when we hold those secrets, when we hide in our pain, and when the trauma is minimized, it, it, it actually leads to dysfunctional living in all sorts of different ways. I mean, our intimacy level... And ability for intimacy is diminished. Uh, we are trust level. And so we seek connections and intimacy in all kinds of different ways that oftentimes are not helpful. Like, for example, in Harvey Weinstein's uh, past, I mean, I don't know anything about his childhood, but my guest, my guest, based upon research that I've done and so many thousands of people that I've talked to over the years, I, I, my guess would be that that he was probably somehow sexually traumatized when he was young at some point. I mean, most sexual addicts, most sex addicts, most uh, perpetrators of sexual abuse have been sexually traumatized in their own life. And Doug, you would know this as a clinician. You actually dealt with this in inpatient oh, and absolutely. outpatient treatment uh, programs. You know, you know, working with, you know, thousands of victims and, well, at least hundreds, maybe close to a thousand perpetrators of sexually aggressive behavior. Uh, you know, by far the great majority uh, of those perpetrators have experienced childhood or early sexual trauma. In fact, we, we have a term for that, and that's a victim to victimizer. Mm. And that dynamic of moving from a victim to a victimizer uh, is often a very important under thing for the person to understand as they seek recovery and begin to be heal from the issues that they have. And so in some ways, I mean, we can have compassion for the perpetrator in the sense that they probably were on that Me Too list and they could be writing blogs about Me Too and now they're the perpetrator. So on one hand, we can kind of feel compassion, but on the other hand, we say, oh no, we all have to take personal responsibility for the trauma that we've experienced and get the help that we need to get healed and to become whole so that we don't become perpetrators. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and maybe even a, a broader way to look at it is that all kinds of trauma, obviously sexual trauma, but all trauma has consequences, not just to the person who experiences it, but for the, but for everyone who's around the person that has experienced it. Cause it, it may not manifest as aggression. It may not manifest as, uh, uh, anger or hostility, but it's going to manifest in some respects. It, it, may, it may just simply be in depression or being shut down or not, not really being capable of being totally present with the people they're with. So I would have to say that everyone suffers as the result of people's trauma. Absolutely. And on the flip side, when we start getting help and when we start getting whole through healing, then people around us can start becoming more healthy as we relate to them and, and even share our story as we 
you know, model a change of not only behavior, but, but, but our self-esteem is changed and so forth. And, and I think that whatever Harvey Weinstein is doing to get recovered right now and to work on his stuff, hopefully he's working through his trauma stuff. Hopefully he's working through the behaviors that he's developed to protect himself, to, to express himself, to find love in some way, to find intimacy and connection, you know, which has obviously been in a dysfunctional way in the past. Hopefully he can get help. And anybody who wants to get free from any kind of deviant sexual behavior, you know, the, the route of that is to actually shed the secrecy, to come forward in honesty, to admit that we need help, and then to deal with the traumas that, that we've experienced and, and to find healing and wholeness and then develop new behaviors of intimacy and connection so that we can have fulfilled well, you know, lives of well-being in every area of our life. Oh, I so agree. You know, you know, I have to say, if I had a Christmas list of what I hope happens you know, as a result of this, you know, Weinstein, you know, disclosure, uh, it's that Hollywood and the media becomes a source of growth and development for America and the world. Yeah. Think about this. I mean, you know, I look at Hollywood and, you know, they've done such a fine job at normalizing mental illness and making seeking treatment and wholeness something that's acceptable and popular. Likewise, the, the way they've handled smoking. Right. Likewise, the way they've handled substance addictions. Right. I think they've, they've done a phenomenally good job at, at creating empathy and hope. Right. I mean, it was suffering like, from that. It, it was, was like 20, same, 30 years yeah. ago that somebody who was like a drug addict, you would just think, oh, they're criminals. Now we have mercy and compassion upon them. And, uh, and then, you know, when the phone rings, we're, we're oftentimes... You know, like, like, like quick to call 911 and get help for them. But whereas in times past, it would be like, we would just write them off as like criminals. Sure. And, and let's thank Hollywood for a lot of that, that, that social change that's happened. So my Christmas list is that something very similar happens in the whole area of sexual addiction and just basically sexually wrong behavior. Now, I, I know it's a bit hypocritical. I know that sex is pervasive in Hollywood. I mean, there's there's issues around that. However, uh, I just want to just call out the best that that industry has to offer as far as it b- being uh, an agent of social change and growth. Yeah. Because, like, you know, this has been a, a hidden addiction. I mean, you know, it's it's been okay for 25 years now to be uh, to have to be to be alcoholic or to have a drug addiction and seek treatment, you know, and still be considered part of society. Uh, however, a person who's struggling with sexual addiction often feels ostracized, very much alone and shunned. And, and that kind of behavior keeps it, the behavior secret, keeps it hidden and makes it grow and, and, and get more broad. So I, I'm quite hopeful and about what could potentially happen because of this revelation. And let's also add that, while there's a growing awareness and a growing resource for people who are the perpetrators of sexual addiction, the perpetrators of sexual abuse even, it's not as readily available for the victims. It's not as readily available for the spouses whose husbands or wives are are into sexual addiction behavior. And it's I'm hoping that as well we can have a lot more resources for people who are the by, innocent bystanders, so to speak, and the people who have been 
uh, impacted in such a traumatic way by the actions of those who are addicted to sex oh, and deviant sex. Uh, I, I, I just have to agree so much. I mean, I have to tell you, 25 years ago, uh, when I initiated a lot of my work with family systems that had been involved in incest or been involved in affairs, uh, there wasn't enough trained care providers to help those families, to help those individuals at that time. Now, I have to say today, and because this issue is epidemic, largely because of the internet. And it's growing. And without any, without any, it's, I just don't see an end in sight. No. I mean, there's a complete shortage of well-trained, skilled help to help people. It's like, so there's a crying need. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Statistics tell us that 70% of men are watching pornography on a regular basis. And... And there are, I mean, infidelity, adultery, whatever you want to call it, cheating, you know, is at an all-time high. It's just, it just continually increases every year. Uh, and, uh, and there's no end in sight, as you said. There, there's got to be help. And, and I'm so glad that we're actually part of the solution at Freedom U. I mean, we're actually trying to make a difference, even though it feels sometimes like we're just putting a, a finger, you know, in, in a hole in a dam that's about ready to burst. At least we're, we're trying to make a difference. And I think for our listeners here, I think they can appreciate the fact that we're trying to make a difference and that they can make a difference. We can all make a difference. Uh, but we're, we are in a in sort of a riptide current taking us out to the sexual sea that's that's almost unswimmable at this point. I mean, it's we're just bombarded by every every corner of media. And so you were mentioning earlier, Doug, how your Christmas list would be that there would be that Hollywood would uh, be committed to helping bring awareness and making it okay for people to get help on both ends of the the spectrum, the victim, the victimizers. And, but my Christmas list would really be, well, why don't we deal with the source of the problem? Why don't we deal with all the sex that's being sold in Hollywood and the expectations in Hollywood to actually make sex the sort of the primary goal of the entertainment industry? I mean, like, it's hard to even watch a, you can't even watch a basketball game without sexual innuendos being displayed on, on, during the entire sporting event. And through the commercials, through the entertainment that's provided uh, in movies. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, I, I wanted to be like Sean Connery. I wanted to be that guy in the movie that, that got to be with every single beautiful girl that came along. And, and, and that was sort of my goal as a, as, a, as a young man. In fact, I thought that really was a... a, a a viable pursuit of any man. Like that was a demonstration of your manhood that you could persuade in some way for a beautiful woman to have sex with you at any time, in any place, in any way. And, and it was almost like that was the goal. And it seems like, like, like that's even escalated more in our times. And well, here's a thought for you, Kevin. You know, we all see that uh, sexual promiscuity, novelty, sexual aggression um, can sell movies. Uh, But all all I can say, and and just speaking as a person who's pretty much committed his professional life, you know, in this direction, uh, it wouldn't be that hard to 
glamorize and glorify the deep value of committed sex in committed relationships. Yeah, wouldn't that be and, awesome? And if if people, I mean, actually understood this, that that sex is way better than promiscuous sex or novelty sex. I mean, the depth of emotional connection that goes to sexuality that's you know not simply tolerated but celebrated yeah. inside that relationship can be so outstanding, can be so amazing. Uh, I mean, that's something that Hollywood could figure out, you know, how to basically portray that because it's absolutely the truth. And, and so if people would simply accept the truth, and this is just a fact, the best sex is inside a committed relationship. The most frequent sex yeah. is inside a committed relationship. The most ecstatic, intense sex is inside of a committed relationship. Now, it's not just the fact that it's committed, but it's also a commitment to quality sexuality. And hey, isn't that what we're about? I mean, this is not, we're not just about stopping people from having a problem. We're, what we're about is having, helping people find the most, just the most beautiful sex imaginable. Absolutely. And that's really what we do in Freedom Yet. Absolutely. But here's the problem. Sex sells. And deviant sex sells. Because it somehow ties into all of our fantasies, you know, our imagination of maybe what could be, what we could have. And let's face it, sometimes relationships that we're committed to and have been in for a long time, they can they can get stale if we're not continually working on them. They can they can you know get routine and even the you know our sexual relationship with uh, you know our spouse can you know at, for whatever reason you know health issues uh, you know arguing financial issues stress you know, all kinds of different factors can play into diminishing our sexual experience within the context of our committed relationship and, you know, our marriages. And so, you know, Hollywood knows, you know, the the media knows that, you know, you put a, like this babe, you know, selling a car and you're going to get a lot better response than if you're just trying to, you know, uh, demonstrate the benefits of that car itself, you know? And so it seems that our fantasies are being sort of like played into in this whole media marketing Well, who would mechanism. disagree with you? I mean, no yeah. one's going to disagree with you, Kevin, but I, I'm just going to have to argue the point. I believe <laughs> sex sells. I'm selling sex right now. I'm yes. telling you that you can have the most ecstatic, amazing, Woo! frequent sex imaginable. <laughs> If you go our direction. Yeah. I'm selling sex. Yeah. I'm selling wellness. I'm selling wholeness. I'm selling happy families. That's, you know, Come it's on. Like, I'm selling sex, Kevin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and it seems that a lot of people are only going to buy that when they experience the crisis of what has been sold to them previously. In other words, when I was growing up, I was shown magazines, I was shown videos, whatever. I was I was given testimonies of how, you know, sex should be and how sex should be experienced and in what context. And so that messed up my life so bad it produced a crisis not only in my marriage but my career, everything. And so that made me take a look at how I really valued sex, how I looked at it how 
important it really is in a relationship and how I can grow and experience that wholeness and well-being that you're talking about. And so I guess to end this, I would really suggest to our listeners that, you know, we all sort of evaluate where we're at in our, not only our me-tos, but in our, in, in, in what we're doing to perpetuate our own dysfunction in our sexual behavior. And let's, before we get to a Harvey Weinstein moment of, you know, somebody else disclosing what's going on, how about if we shed secrecy and we shed the shame and we begin to get the help that we need to live a healthy whole life in every area of our life? And I think our listeners would appreciate, uh, you know, just the, the honesty of somebody saying, hey, listen, yeah, I was a me too. Now I'm actually somebody who's perpetuating this dysfunction and I want to get free. And I don't know about uh, our listeners out there, but for me personally, I want to be one of the heroes in life that not just highlights the problem, but brings a solution. And so that's the end of today. Uh, We hope that you join us uh, for our, our next episode of the Freedom You Show. And in the meantime, we would encourage you to live free and to live well. Hey guys, it's Kevin here. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at freedomu.net for more resources. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Until next time. Live free and live well.